Good afternoon, Patriots. You are tuned into Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. We are back and hopefully better than ever after a little vacation in which I saw my oldest child get married. Doesn't seem like I'm old enough to have a married child, but here I am with a married child. At any rate, today I'll talk about an Afghanistan war veteran's perspective on our involvement and drawdown there. Withdrawal, I should say. And I have a new Ryan's rant. Next, on Living with Liberty. 20 years. What have you invested 20 years in just to botch the end of it? What have you started that you knew was going to be a long-term project and the end result had a low chance for success? Many of us don't start things where we have an expected low chance of success. Now, before I go on, I want to say this. Our men and women in uniform have served bravely and valiantly for the last 20 years in Afghanistan. They deserve every accolade and bit of gratitude and respect we can give them for their service in what was a no-win situation. Those that didn't make it home deserve our admiration and respect as well. And their families to this day deserve our gratitude and our prayers for their loss. Our soldiers have put themselves on the line repeatedly in Afghanistan to help stabilize a country that has historically been anything but stable. And one that has had regimes that cared not one bit for human rights. And by all accounts, the one that has rushed in falls into that category as well. Now that said, we did not belong in Afghanistan for 20 years. We should have been there long enough for a cup of coffee and been on our way in pursuit of bin Laden, of Osama bin Laden. Our government should have learned the lesson from the Soviets and their 10 years spent in the Afghan quagmire. After all, it was our government under Reagan that goaded the Soviets into Afghanistan in the first place as a distraction. But our leaders, uh, hold that, they're not leaders, our elected officials and bureaucrats didn't heed that lesson, didn't learn from history. Three different presidential administrations this war dragged on through two of which seemed obstinately and, dare I say, arrogantly with the thought we could somehow fix this country and impart American democracy on it and, realistically, American imperial democracy on it. I think we wanted to make it our puppet state satellite in the Middle East from which we would be able to then launch uh, our... our uh, drive for democracy for the rest of the Middle East, because for whatever reason, we can't let it go that the Middle East is the Middle East, and those people want to do what culturally they do. They don't want Western 
uh, imperial democracy imparted in their countries. They want to hold on to their own cultures. That That's part of the problem in, in a different show, probably. But our government has been so arrogant and obstinate in trying to fix, I put that in quotes, fix the Middle East. At least the Trump administration recognized the loser Afghanistan was and attempted to pull the remaining forces out. And I'll say much to the chagrin of the military leaders who wanted to keep the war going. So more weaponry and other equipment would be needed because they had their eye on a sweet defense contractor gig when they left the military. What's the best way to get that is to be buddy-buddy with the military and, and keep using the, the defense, uh, with the defense contractors, excuse me, and, and keep using their products, keep consuming, right? That the only way we're consuming military equipment is through endless wars. Trump saw that and wanted to end that. Now, objectively speaking, and if you really think about this from a, a, a neutral standpoint, America had no business being in Afghanistan for that long. America had no business being in Afghanistan any longer to, uh, than was needed to, to figure out Osama bin Laden wasn't there anymore. The honest truth is, if the Afghan people want freedom and liberty, they want a Western-style democracy, they have to be the ones that fight for it. They don't need American uh imperialist forces or ideas coming in and trying to impart it on them. I have an American conservative article here by Rod Dreher titled Kabul, the end, dead end of the road, the dead end of the road. In it, Dreher includes a piece by Laura Jadid, a veteran of the Afghan war. Jadid provides a perspective that never would have been publicized by our military. It never would have been published by uh, the, the legacy media. Jadid's piece does allude to the fact that there quite possibly was a bit of resentment from the Afghan people on the U.S. presence in their country. They didn't like America being involved in their affairs. First and foremost, our service personnel uh, recognized this fact right away that we were entering a losing proposition. Jadid's piece starts off like this. She says, I was deployed there twice, once in 2008 and again in 2009-2010. It was already obvious that the Taliban would sweep through the very instant we left. And here we are today. Now, rank and file members of our armed forces recognized the fact that no amount of American democracy was going to prevent the Taliban from taking the country over again once the troops were withdrawn. Why didn't the brass, military brass, and politicians realize this for themselves? Arrogance? Money? Eyes on that, uh, those sweet consulting jobs with defense contractors? Possibly all the above cloaked under the guise of our presence there stabilizing the region. How many times did we hear that? Oh, we can't pull out, we'll, we'll destabilize the region. We can't pull out, there's American interests there. What? Nobody 
ever was able to give one good reason that America would have interests in Afghanistan. Not one. I, I We were there 20 years and I didn't hear a one. But Jadid, as soon as she was deployed there, realized, looking at the situation there, that as soon as the American forces and allied forces were pulled out, the Taliban was just going to run roughshod over the country. They were just lying in wait, uh, ready to go just when we pulled out. And the Taliban wasn't dumb enough to go against uh, American forces head to head. They just lied in wait. They, they, and their time has come. Their opportunity has come and they seized it. Now, Jadid goes on in her piece to say this. I, she says this, I remember Afghanistan as a dusty beige nightmare full of proud, brave people who did not effing want us there. Now, imagine that. We have people in a country, not the United States, in another country, a people that didn't want the world's meddling mother-in-law in their country telling them what to do and how to do it. Remember what Biden said? He said, we're going to get America back on the world stage. What does that mean? That means we're off meddling in things we have no business meddling in. And guess what? These people, these countries, these sovereign countries, their people resent the fact when we come in and do it. How do you think that we would take it if the CCP came into America and told our people in government what to do? Huh, whoops, that's a, that's a bad example. How would you take it when someone comes into your office or place of, of employment, your boss, let's say, or a co-worker, and they start to tell you how to do things, or they just outright take over the project you were working on? It's the same principle here. This tells you everything that was... Uh, that that you were, uh, when somebody does this, it tells you that everything you were doing was wrong and here's how to fix it. And it breeds resentment because you probably weren't doing things wrong. You were doing things the way that uh, you wanted to do them and the way you analyzed and thought that was the best way to do it. This is the same principle here. When we, America, go into other countries and overstay our welcome. Like we did in Afghanistan and we say, oh, you know what? You guys aren't a, a democracy and we have uh, a need here to set up um, some sort of satellite state. Uh, so we're going to fix you. It's the same principle. We went in and told the Afghan people that you're doing this all wrong. In, in no regard for their their cultural norms or anything like that. that and that's a whole other, if, if you watched Tucker last night, that's a whole other thing. I, I did a little post on that. We have no respect for the culture of these people when we go and we just we just serve them up a dish of um, uh, American imperialistic democracy. They don't want it. The Afghan people, by Jadid's account, were proud of their country and they wanted to fix it themselves in their own way, culturally appropriate to Afghani people. They didn't want America to come in and try to set up its Middle East satellite state. Now, one other thing that is interesting from Jadid's piece, and what I'll do is I'll link 
uh, the American Conservative article in the description box. In the article is, is a link to Jadid's piece on Medium. It is a fantastic read, the whole thing. I highly recommend that you, you check out the article. It's, it's a, great, uh, a great piece throughout. I couldn't take everything from it. This would be an hour and a half long show, I think. But go ahead and, and give the, the article a read, both of them, actually, Dreher's and Jadid's. They're, they're fantastic. But the one other thing that is interesting that I want to call out here from Jadid's piece is what she observed on the opium fields and how it also points back to how the Afghanis did not want us there. Jadid noticed, uh, noted this about how they would deal with the farmers and the no-win situation they were in with, uh, with those dealings. She writes this, I remember how every year the U.S. would have to decide how to deal with the opium fields. There were a few options. You could leave the fields alone, and then the Taliban would shake the farmers down and use the money to buy weapons. Or you could carpet bomb the fields, and the farmers would join the Taliban for reasons that seem obvious. Jadid continues on. The third option, and the one we went for while I was there, was to give the farmers fertilizer as an incentive to grow wheat instead of opium poppy. The farmers then sold the fertilizer to the Taliban, who used it to make explosives for IEDs that could destroy a million-dollar MRAP and maim everyone inside. Now, there's two things here. One, again, obviously the Afghan people didn't want us there. Two, just the absolute and utter incompetence of our government that was on full display here again. We supplied the materials because we thought, oh, we'll give them fertilizer and they'll grow wheat with it. Be because our government is full of some of the stupidest people on the planet, it seems. We supplied the materials that were used to harm our soldiers. Think about that. We, because we're somewhere where there's no good options and people didn't want us there, we thought, well, we'll help you out and give you fertilizer. And we funded this. We funded this as taxpayers. We'll give you fertilizer so you can grow wheat. The farmer said, screw that. Wheat doesn't pay. Poppy does. And I can now double up on my money and still grow the poppy and, and sell the opium and sell the fertilizer to the Taliban so they can make IEDs. Uh, what? How stupid is the people running our State Department or military or whoever made this decision. We supplied the materials used to harm our soldiers. And the buffoons running our bureaucracies continue to do the same things over and over, expecting different results. And in doing this, they maimed and killed our soldiers. Our soldiers paid the price for something that the Afghan people didn't want. They didn't want our soldiers there. And our soldiers paid that price because Washington said we needed to be there and, and the soldiers are under the, the control of Washington. And they said, soldiers, go here. The Afghans didn't want our soldiers there. They wanted to figure it out for themselves. And unfortunately, it wasn't the buffoons that made the decisions that paid the price. It was our soldiers. Jadid notes this, 
this is the last part I'll take from her uh, piece, is she notes this as she closes her article, uh, and I think it's, it's very telling. She says this, it's Team Taliban or Team Stay Forever, there is no third team. The Menza dropouts running our government couldn't see this fact. They couldn't see that no matter how much effort we put into Afghanistan, the Taliban was just going to run roughshod over the country once all our troops were withdrawn. They had to have seen it. I refuse to believe that even after two years worth of data, effort, and experience in Afghanistan, they could not see that it was a losing proposition, that it was never going to be able to stand on its own, and that we needed to get out. We spent 20 years sinking time, trillions of borrowed dollars, I'll say that again, trillions of borrowed dollars, and the lives of our soldiers into what should have been recognized by our government officials as a losing proposition from the start. The only business we needed to carry out in Afghanistan was to look for Osama bin Laden. That should have been the only reason our soldiers set foot in that country and remained in that country. We had 20 years to plan the exit from this quagmire, but our military leadership is too busy reading up on white rage or whatever the hell Mark Milley is pushing and reading and trying to learn about these days. We had 20 years to plan our exit, but our government is too busy painting our own citizens as terrorists and putting out bulletins on the characteristics that we should be watching for of these domestic terrorists. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the Trump administration's decision to negotiate with the Taliban. After all, we don't negotiate with terrorists. But I firmly believe they would have had an exit plan that would have included keeping the Taliban in line. Instead, we got the bumbling Biden and Bailey circus who botched the whole thing putting our remaining troops and diplomats in danger as well as those of our allies. And worst of all, the Afghan people who have no option but to stay and are now going to be subject to all sorts of persecution and nasty things at the hands of the Taliban. This is yet another black eye for this utterly incompetent administration. We'll finish up today's show with Ryan's rants. Today's topic will be the Biden administration's spin to their botched Afghanistan pullout. I usually don't like to have my rant on the same topic as some of the other show material, but this Afghanistan debacle is just too big not to do it. Now, true to form, the Biden regime is blaming everyone but themselves for the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Maybe if they were focused less on pushing their COVID propaganda and more focused on the proper planning it would have taken to safely withdraw everybody from Afghanistan, it wouldn't be such a mess. But no, we have a regime hell-bent on painting anyone who doesn't agree with them or fall in line with their edicts as domestic terrorists, and these are people that their neighbors should snitch on. They're, they're more worried about telling us or telling our neighbors they should be snitching on us 
than actually focusing at the task at hand, and that's one, leading our country, two, focusing on getting our people out of these foreign hell holes intact. Our military brass is more worried about putting on transgender burlesque shows on aircraft carriers than safely bringing our service members home. The clown show that currently is inhabiting the White House is too worried about continuing to divide the country and can't be bothered to put uh, plans in place to ensure the safe return of our citizens. But the lack of focus on planning is not their fault, they'll tell you. There's the blaming of Trump, of course, because he was the one that negotiated the May 1st, 2021 date to start the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So I asked, what stopped you, Biden regime, from renegotiating that date if it was such a huge issue in terms of planning? I'm sure that the planning, uh, much of it had already been put in place. Maybe if the communists in the Biden regime weren't infected with Trump derangement syndrome to the point that they couldn't think anymore, they could have thought up, of, uh, thought up this simple solution. I came up with it in two seconds. Maybe they could have come up with a better plan than just pushing the eject button. Sleepy Joe even went as far as to blame the Afghan government for stopping uh, the, the U.S. from executing a mass evacuation plan ahead of the pullout. Now, let's be real. There was no mass evacuation plan. If there were, it wouldn't have been this big of a mess. There was no plan to let our allies know that we were pulling out so quickly. This came down to a regime with sagging poll numbers looking for a quick win, and they blew it. They know that we want our soldiers home. They were looking for that quick win because everybody's seen what frauds and phonies they are, and these poll numbers keep dropping for, for these clowns. They wanted something quick they could point to and say, see, we're, we're doing something, and they still blew it. If they had any plans, they just threw them out the window and decided, we'll just push eject. Consequences be damned, we need this win. There really was no need to do a mass evacuation. It could have been accomplished by bringing home a a few groups of people uh, at a time. Now, they had roughly four months to the date set by the Trump administration to start withdrawing people. And certainly now, we're seven months into this administration, they could have been wrapping everything up in an orderly and methodical way. They could have been drawing our people down little by little over the course of time. And it wouldn't have been a mass evacuation. There wouldn't have been no need for choppers airlifting people from embassies and whatever else. But no, the Biden handlers decided it would be best to paint anyone who ignored their edicts as racist and domestic terrorists. And when it came time to draw withdraw from Afghanistan, they had no plan to protect our people our soldiers, nor our allies in getting them out of the country safely. There was no plan, none. Because if you have even half a plan, it is not as big of a disaster as it's been. Now, Obama was right about one thing. And the one thing he was right about was that we should never underestimate Biden's ability to screw things up. This disaster is on the Biden administration. They were charged with executing the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and they failed miserably. 
everything that happens is on their hands. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with the knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. And lastly, I'd be so grateful if you subscribed to the show and left a positive review should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor and Gab. My handle on both is at livingwithliberty. You can also go to the contact page of my website and email me or follow the links there to my social media pages. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.